Hello and welcome to the One Foot Down Podcast. I am Eric Murtaugh, back as your host. This is our 29th episode. Um, this is our blue gold game preview. The Irish take the field this Saturday at 12.30 Eastern. That game will be shown on NBC Sports Network. Um, I also want to remind our listeners that uh, if you're listening to this on Monday, the first day that this podcast goes up, uh, also tune into NBC Sports Network at 6.30 Eastern. They're playing another strong and true uh, series on the spring practice that is going to be finishing up this week. Okay, uh, this is our Blue Gold Game preview, like I said. Uh, joining me once again from Canada is Lars. Lars, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks, Eric. Happy to be here. Looking forward to it. Okay, so we got a, we got a week until the Blue, Gold, Blue Gold Game, um, and uh, we're just basically going to walk right through the, each position um, kind of ask ourselves some questions. We have some questions from people on Twitter and Facebook as well um, that I'll just kind of interject into uh, our discussion. So let's start at the quarterback position. Uh, only two scholarship quarterbacks uh, in the spring, Everett Golson and Malik Zaire. Um, you know, I think one of my opinions is that I don't really think this spring game is going to really be a big focus for Golson, at least from our fan perspective. Uh, we kind of know what we have out of him. I mean, maybe we could look at some of the stuff that he's improved in, uh, you know, making reads and stuff like that. And uh, But I think my thing is Zaire is much more uh, of, a, of a focus for this spring game. Um, you know, we, we need to see if he's improved as a passer. Uh, this is his second spring game. He looked decent last year. He came in in the second half. Um, kind of played with a lot of backups and stuff like that. He's the only person to throw a touchdown pass, which was nice. But uh, we know he's got the wheels. Uh, we know he's a strong runner. My question to you, Lars, is are we looking at Zaire and his passing development in this game is one of the big things to watch this weekend? Yeah, I, I think that's going to be key. He's certainly, from a running perspective, a guy that I think we're all pretty comfortable with. And I mean, all you have to do is take a look at him. He's got a pretty thick build, and and uh, he's obviously a guy who can is a very good athlete and can run the football. So the, the question is going to be in terms of his throwing, and I think sp specifically um, his consistency. He's got a pretty good arm. Um, you know, and he seems to be able to make all the throws. My big question with him is, can he be consistent? And as you know, as you know, we've kind of broken down his throwing mechanics, and he has some things in there, some added motions that tend to make you a little bit inconsistent. And uh, and so, you know, one pass he'll look pretty good and pretty accurate, and then the next pass it'll be in the dirt or sailing a little bit high. So that's some first. That's going to be something for us to really watch. Is is he consistent in his throwing, and can he consistently deliver the ball accurately where it needs to be? And so I'll definitely be keeping a close eye on that. And then the other thing is, can he just manage the offense and, and to what level he can? I know last year the coaches certainly uh, were pretty complimentary about his ability to grasp the playbook. So, you know, is that going to show itself in the blue and gold game, or is it going to be like Everett Golson was a couple years ago in the blue and gold game where uh, it was a little bit of an adventure in terms of getting the plays in and those sorts of things. So I think those will be two of the biggest things to look for. Now let's say Sayer does some good things um, in the running game, makes a couple good passes, but overall just doesn't really reach that level. Uh, like you said, maybe some of his mechanics are off. He has a couple balls sail. Um, doesn't really seem to have a great control of the offense in the spring game. Is that a cause con for concern in your opinion? 
Um, no, it's what I would expect, to be honest with you. Um, you know, I think he is a little bit inconsistent as a, as a thrower, and I think that was uh, reasonably well documented coming in. I think that's probably something he'll struggle with um, the whole time that he's at Notre Dame. It's going to be something that's going to take some time to work out, and a lot of it's just going to be uh, he's going to need a lot of game time to work that out. But I think he's a guy who can make a lot of plays with his feet, and I think it's been demonstrated pretty clearly uh, at the, the college level that you can be a pretty effective quarterback and not necessarily be the most consistent uh, passer. You look at guys like uh, Tim Tebow and Braxton Miller, for example. Not that Zaire is necessarily in that category, but that would be sort of that analogy. Guys that sort of were at times inconsistent um, from a throwing perspective, but really dynamic runners. And, and certainly, as they went through their college career, they, they improved as passers and got better and better. So I would my guess is that that's sort of the trajectory that uh, Zaire is on. And so I expect to see some inconsistency. I'd be more surprised if he comes out and just looks really poised in the pocket and is kind of zipping that ball around uh, with accuracy. I think we'll kind of see the other end of the spectrum on that. All right, we got our first question from Twitter. This is from Eric Ruthling. I uh, hope I pronounced his last name right. He's got a nice first name. His question is, is there too much optimism surrounding Everett Golson? Uh, I don't think we really see that a whole lot on our site. I know everyone's pretty excited to see him back, but, um, you know, in my travels throughout the other sites on the Internet, I don't really think I, I've seen too much optimism. What do you think, Lars? Um, you know, I, I think kind of drilling down to what the question's asking, because, yeah, I, I think there's, I think, I, I haven't seen a whole, a huge amount of it, but I think there's sort of an underlying uh, assumption here that, you know, the Everett Golson that we saw in the Alabama game is exactly who we're going to get in game one, and that's who we're going to get throughout the whole season. And uh, and I don't know that that's entirely accurate or entirely fair. So I think it would be wise for people to maybe just tone down their expectations a little bit. I think uh, first of all, Everett Golson, um, you know, in his his one year as a starter in 2012, was inconsistent, and he was inconsistent even late in the season. Remember, he got pulled from the pit game uh, because of inconsistent play. And so I I expect that we're still going to see some inconsistency out of him, and and I think that's going to be true of the entire team really and, and even the offense there's a lot of talent there but I think he'll he's going to show some flashes of brilliance and and some inconsistency so yeah you know the um, the idea that bringing Golson back is suddenly gonna gonna fix everything and all our quarterback problems are are done I don't think that's entirely accurate I I think you know he's going to do a great job for us and I think we're going to see steady improvement and uh, you know he's the ceiling on this guy is just unbelievable. He's got a tremendous amount of potential, but uh, I think this is a year where he'll just uh, he'll show us a little bit of rust, he'll show us a little bit of inconsistency, but he'll show us some flashes of brilliance as well. So, yeah, there's probably, I think there might be just a little too much optimism out there, but I think that's fairly typical of Notre Dame and, and the quarterback at Notre Dame. All right, let's take a look at the running back situation. Uh, only three scholarship running backs for the spring game, Cam McDaniel, Terry Folston, and Greg Bryant. Lots of optimism surrounding these three, uh, especially Folston and Bryant. Folston coming off a pretty strong, true freshman season. Uh, Greg Bryant a little bit more highly thought of in the recruiting rankings, had to shut down his season last year after a few games with a knee injury. He claims he's better, he's back better, Better than ever, stronger than ever, faster than ever. 
What are we looking for out of the running backs in this game? Do you think um, this will be the type of game where we see a lot of walk-ons in the second half? Yeah, I, I think it will, although, because, I mean, you know, you don't really don't need to get a, much of a look at Cam McDaniel. You know what you're going to get out of Cam, and, and it's going to be a pretty consistent effort, and, and uh, so you don't really need to worry about that. Polston needs some work, but obviously the guy that we're all really interested in watching is, uh, is Greg Bryant. You know, he's every time I watch, and we only see clips of him in practice. Even this is even going back to last year. I just see flashes that I go, "Oh, man, this guy could be a very, very good football player." So I think he's a guy to watch, and I wouldn't be surprised if we see him uh, getting a few more carries, uh, even into that second half, and even with some backup guys. And I think that would be wise. I think he needs to get some work, and uh, specifically some game work, because that's where he's obviously. Uh, quite a bit behind the other two in the running back rotation. You know, one of the one of the things that has stuck out to me uh, in some of those recent videos is watching him going out to catch some passes. Uh, he's just an incredibly sharp turner with incredibly fast feet. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how much of a weapon he is in the passing game. And hopefully, I mean, that was a pretty big weakness last year. Notre Dame just really couldn't utilize the running backs in the passing game. I think we only had 25 catches or something total from that whole unit. Is that something you're going to be watching in the spring game? Yeah, that'll be, I think that's critical to, first of all, to the type of offense that Brian Kelly would like to run. And just from a defensive perspective, um, you know, when you add in that element of running backs who are, are pretty adept out of the receiver position, it's really tough. Because how, how do you match up with them? Who covers them? Um, so that can be a, a tremendous challenge. It's a really nice asset to add to any offense. And uh, if Notre Dame can do that, uh, we'll be in good shape. So that's definitely something to uh, to watch for. I'm actually a little more confident in our running back's ability to be good receivers. For whatever reason, we've really struggled from the quarterback position um, throwing passes to accurately to running backs, which has been odd to me. I'm not sure why. So that'll be another kind of subplot to watch is how do the quarterbacks and running backs mesh. Yeah, I remember Carlisle last year had a pretty tough year. I was looking at some targets, target numbers, and I think he ended up only catching a third of the balls that was thrown his way. I think he got like 16 targets and only caught like four of them or something like that. So there's really only one way to go but up. Uh, in that sense, yeah. so hopefully those players can step up. Let's take a look at wide receiver now. We know Tavares Daniels is suspended, um, and that kind of leads into a question here that I have. This one's from Facebook from Joel Liebert. He asked, will Tavares Daniels' suspension hurt him or make him more determined? Uh, my answer to that, my quick answer would be both, actually. So wh what do you think, Lars? Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. I mean, we all know that when it comes to Daniels, the physical talent is obviously there. He's got a skill set that not many people possess, and uh, so we've always known that. The problem has always been sort of maturity and consistency. Um, he, although we may not have seen it on the field, from, from what we hear, he took some strides last year, he battled through some injuries, those types of things, but obviously, um, you know, what happened in the classroom here, I think a lot of it is a, a symbol of uh, of his immaturity. So hopefully this will be a good wake-up call for him and uh, this will force him to grow up a little bit and will help him um, from a maturity perspective. You know, obviously the problem is when you miss this much football and, and there's some critical things that happen in the spring, you certainly get uh, get knocked back. I, I would say this is I think that um, 
you know, he's got decent chemistry already with Golson. He's got all the physical tools. So I think the missed time, the, the physical part of that in terms of developing timing with your quarterback and that, I think he can catch that up much more easily than uh, than the maturity. So if this ends up being a wake-up call for him and, and he gains a little maturity out of there and comes back as a, a much more focused player, um, then it'll be a net gain. Yeah, and I think he was battling injuries. I know there was an article a few months ago that he kind of opened up about what he was going through. He had a couple nagging injuries. So hopefully he can come back healthy and better than ever. Uh, speaking of the, the targets that I just mentioned, I just brought up the uh, the, the table that that's online. Um, Daniels was targeted 111 times last year in the passing game. That was two fewer times than T.J. Jones. Yeah, he only caught 49 passes. That's 21 less catches than Jones. So... Um, you know his his catch rate definitely can go way up this year, and hopefully he can uh, establish a relationship with Golson. He had a pretty good relationship with him as a when Golson in Golson's first year in 2012. So again, a really a lot of room of room for improvement for Daniels, and you know he had a pretty nice year last year as well. 745 yards and seven touchdowns is nothing to sniff at. So I think he can definitely be a thousand yard receiver if he puts his mind to it. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I get the impression um, that Daniels and Golson are, you know, to some degree similar creatures in that uh, they both have a lot of physical talents, um, but they both, you know, have had some growing up to do over the last few years. And I think that maybe plays into their chemistry a little bit. And, and so hopefully the fact that both of them have had some struggles, had to overcome some adversity, um, that'll help them deal with, you know, some consistency and just growing up a little bit. All right. Uh, the other wide receivers we got Carlisle, Brown, Procise, Hunter, Fuller, and Robinson, and also true freshman Justin Brent uh, will be in this game as well. Is there anyone that you're really looking forward to watching in the spring game? Uh, I know in my article that's going up on Monday, uh, I kind of focused in in that slot position. I kind of want to see what they're doing there, uh, and if we'll see anything in the spring game that looks different than what we've seen. Is there any player or anything that you're looking forward to with the other receivers? Well, and this is very true of pretty much all the positions on offense. It's it's an unproven group, but there's a lot of talent there, and it's going to be really exciting to watch them. You know, the guy, I guess the two guys that I'm the most interested in seeing are, are Chris Brown. We've seen some nice flashes of him here um, in spring where he looks pretty good, and he's a guy who was kind of invisible last year, but then at the end of the pinstripe bowl kind of picked it up and, and had a good game. So he's a guy that I'm really looking to take a big step. And then obviously I'm just very curious about Carlisle to see if he can show us anything. Um, again, we've seen some snippets that he looks good, but, you know, we saw that. We heard that last year too. There was quite a bit of buzz around him, um, and that certainly didn't come to fruition when we got into the season. So I'll be really interested to see him in, in the slot position. Yeah, I picked Carlisle as my MVP uh, for this game. I think he's going to get a lot of reps in the slot, um, maybe get a couple carries, uh, motioning back into the backfield, stuff like that. I think, you know, kind of looking at it from the coaching standpoint, I think they want to get his, you know, get get him some confidence back because he clearly lost it last year, and I think he's going to be one of those players that kind of plays a lot. They're not going to, you know, just play him for, a quarter and a half, and then sit him. I think he'll probably play well into the second half. So uh, he's my pick for the MVP. Um, let's let's go to tight end here. I mentioned in my article that uh, you know this has been a pretty quiet 
spring for the tight end position, which seems to uh, seems to be that you know maybe the position isn't going to be as as prominent as it was in the past couple of years. Um, ben Koyak it looks like he's poised for a pretty big senior season, but but behind him there's all inexperienced and unproven guys. Uh, we'll have two freshmen coming in in the summer in August as well to kind of help out with the numbers there. But uh, is there anything really to watch for out of the tight ends? I know a lot of people are interested to see Durham Smythe. Yeah, the, uh, really the young guys. I mean, I, I agree with you on Koyak. I think he's going to – I picked him last year as my breakout player and kind of cursed him a little bit, I think, until the second half of the season. But uh, I think he's going to be very, very good, and so I think you're going to see these young guys going at it a little bit. I really have no idea what we have with, with this next group of tight ends, so I'm really curious to watch them. Um, so, you know – there just hasn't been much out there about them, and uh, you know we know that they, there's a lot of talent, and Notre Dame has this reputation, or starting to develop a reputation as tight end university. So I'll be very curious to see if we can uh, if we can reload at that position. But uh, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing all of them actually, because I just don't feel like I have a great base of knowledge on on any of them. All right, um, the offensive line is a pretty interesting position. Obviously, Notre Dame's losing Zach Martin and Chris Watt on that left side. However, when you look at the guys who are uh, primed to start next fall, they're only going to be breaking in one new starter. That looks like it'll be Mike McGlinchey at right tackle. He's going to be a big focus for me in the spring game. I want to see how well he does in pass protection and, and most especially how he looks in the run game for such a big, tall kid. Uh, what, what kind of things are you looking for out of the offensive line in the spring? Well, you know, the offensive line is, is really interesting, and I think it's almost a bit of a microcosm of the entire team in that, um, you know, you've got some guys there who, gosh, you've got a number of guys who have played, but uh, it's still, to some degree, somewhat unproven, and, and um, you know, there's a lot of sort of question marks, so obviously there's a lot of talent there, but we got guys playing kind of all over the place. Like, I think in the, in the blue and gold game here, um, you know, everyone's kind of been switched over to new position. Like Stanley, for example, has gone from the right to left tackle. So there are some differences there. But everyone's also kind of played. So it's a kind of a weird group in that um, they've almost, you know, under Heastan, this offensive line has almost become interchangeable, where guys can go in and play any position, and we don't seem to lose a beat. And that's absolutely phenomenal. So that's the thing that I'm the most curious about, is how do these guys work together? And uh, even though we have guys with experience, they're kind of playing all over the place. And uh, so I'm really curious to see how that works out and, and if it lends itself to some inconsistencies, some mis missed assignments, those sorts of things. Um, so that's kind of what I'll be looking for is the group as a whole. Do you think they'll be challenged at all with... Uh some of the things Brian Van Gorder will throw at him. I know spring games are usually pretty vanilla in terms of uh, the schemes that the defense throws at him. Well, I hope they are. I, I hope they let the dogs loose a little bit. And, uh, you know, I realize that, you know, things you don't have all your packages in and those sorts of things in the spring game. But if you're going to have an aggressive defense, play aggressive and get after it. And so I sure hope that they get challenged, and uh, I would expect to see some of that, and I think you'll see some blown assignments for sure. And, again, that's the nature of the beast in spring football, but it's also going to be the nature of the beast on an offensive line here that, yes, has a lot of talent, um, even, you know, returns a lot of guys who are starters, but it really has been shuffled around in terms of who's lining up where. Like, 
I, likely next, well, it's tough to say, likely next spring, do we return anyone who who was a, you know, who sort of started in that same position? I guess Nick Martin, but he didn't, he was out at the end of the year. Stanley's been switched over. Elmer kind of flipped back and forth. Lombard has flipped back and forth. So it's a, it's a little bit of a hodgepodge in some ways, but lots of talent. So I expect that, yeah, we'll definitely see, um, we'll definitely see some blown assignments, and I hope Van Gorder comes after him. That's what I want to see. <laughs> yeah, what's funny is last last year during the spring game, there was a, a bunch of sacks, and I know a lot of that was on the quarterbacks for kind of dancing around too much. Um, but I was looking at the box guard from last year, and I think Zaire and Golson ended up with seven sacks between them for like minus 70 yards or something like that. I know that was a pretty frustrating spring game from that side of things, but then you know, we go into the fall, and it's one of the best pass-protecting lines that we've ever seen in Notre Dame history, which is kind of funny. Yeah, it's, uh, well, some of that has to do with the rules, too. I mean, when you're playing tag back there, especially against guys like Zaire and Golson, they're not easy guys to sack, and uh, they're a lot easy, it's a lot easier to sack them if all you have to do is tag them. So, um, you know, and particularly Golson, he's a bit of a magician in terms of making people miss, so... Um, but yeah, it was a phenomenal story with the pass protection last year. If we get that kind of pass protection with those mobile quarterbacks, it'll be something to watch. But, you know, the offensive line is going to have to adjust the way they protect. And if you remember when Golson first became the starter in 2012, it, it took the offensive line a little while to get used to to blocking for him because he's a guy who would stay in the pocket, but then he would, you know, he'd roll out and he'd be running around back there. And it's really easy for linemen um, to kind of get startled a little bit when their quarterback leaves the pocket when they aren't expecting it and uh, end up with holding penalties. I guess that's one thing you can say having Tommy Reese in there. You didn't have to worry about him uh, taking off unexpectedly. Yeah, and if he, did, if he did, you'd have lots of time to react to it because it's <laughs> not, not overly fast. So. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. All right, we got another question here as we look at the defensive line. This is from Jake Sinkovitz. He asks... Will we be able to get value reps, valuable reps, out of Chase Hounshell? And I would kind of just interject into that question. You know, we're kind of wondering if we'll be able to get valuable reps out of a few other players as well. Um, Justin Utupo is a fifth-year, kind of an undersized guy. Um, and then maybe, you know, Jacob Matuska is another guy, a young redshirt freshman that maybe we're going to be looking at this this Saturday in the spring game to see maybe how physically developed uh, he is as well. What are your thoughts on Hounshell and maybe some of these other guys? Well, I've said this before. I, I really liked Hounshell as a freshman, and uh, I definitely think he has some things to offer. Obviously, when a guy misses two years of football, it's pretty tough to predict. But you know, I would say this: I think we're going to need to get some solid, um, some solid reps out of him. I think we're going to need him to contribute, and uh, he doesn't have to come in and be spectacular. He just needs to come in and be solid for us. So. You know what? I think we will. I think we'll get solid production out of him, and I think we're going to need to. The opportunity is going to be there for him. And the other thing is, um, I think there's going to be some patience in terms of letting him, um, you know, work his way back in, and yeah, maybe make a few mistakes, and but kind of not give up on him. So just because there's really no one else to turn to, so I, I think he's going to do a, a decent job for us, and I think in the end we'll be reasonably happy in his production. It's been a long time since he played. You know, he did look pretty nice as a freshman, but he didn't really play a whole lot as well. So I think he still has to go out there and prove that he can be a solid backup in the least. 
what what do you think about anything else on the defensive line you're kind of looking for? Uh, maybe the other thing I'm looking at is maybe what kind of pass rushing they can get on the edges there with Ishak and Aquara and maybe Rapasa. I'm interested to see how those guys look uh, as more four three defensive ends. And yeah, I I think that's a, a critical one, Eric. Um, you raise a really good point. Is that rush off of the edge and uh, can Aquara and uh, Williams become guys who are, you know, who can really get after the quarterback and and uh, really cause havoc coming off that edge? They tend to be guys who are are good at, you know, they're pretty good when they engage the offensive tackle and you know they can get off the blocks and that sort of thing. But I'm looking for a guy who can just kind of straight up blow things up and and not even necessarily engage the offensive tackle and really just. Uh, come flying off that edge, and I've yet to see it out of either of those guys, and I know Aquara is supposed to be the guy who can do that, so I'll be really interested to watch him, because to be honest with you, in one on, in the clips that we've seen on one-on-one -on -one pass rush drills, um, you know, I've been a little bit concerned, like he has shown some power, he has kind of, you know, driven some offensive tackles back, but Aquara needs to be a guy who can also just blow by an offensive tackle, and if he's gonna if he's gonna be um, trying to make a living out of the four three, and you know with his size, um, taking on offensive tackles all the time and kind of you know beating them, pushing them back into the quarterback, we're just not gonna get there. We're gonna need uh, we're gonna need some speed rush out of him. The other thing the other thing for me is gonna be Ken Sheldon Day. Um, take that next step in terms of not only just being a good solid player but I mean being a guy who's very disruptive and also a guy who's a real leader of that defensive line so I think that's going to be absolutely key and I you know I think there's a good chance that that'll happen with Sheldon Day I think we could see a really good year out of him. All right we got another question here this came from our Facebook page and uh, the person asks what are the responsibilities responsibilities of the Will, Mike, and Sam linebackers, and who will play those positions this year? I know you could probably answer the second part of that question with who you think will play those positions and who you kind of hope would play those positions. I know this is kind of right down your alley, Lars, so uh, why don't you try to give the, the people a simple explanation of uh, those three positions? Yeah, well... Again, it, it sort of depends on your on your defensive philosophy, and Eric and I have talked about this um, many, many times. I'm sort of a little more old school, and we talk about the 4-3, where um, I like to see everything funnel back to the middle linebacker, the Mike linebacker, and so, you know, I want a really dynamic athlete there. Um, the way the trend, and, and Eric's really a, an expert on this, the, the trend has kind of gone when... Uh, with a lot of these four threes to make the will who is that guy who's kind of exploding and, and all over the field and making tackles. Um, so basically, uh, you know, it's it's a really good question. Um, you know, generally speaking, the responsibility of the will is to be a guy who can uh, who can obviously come up and play the run and a guy who can, can turn the run back inside to funnel it back inside to his pursuit from the Mac. The Sam tends to be Again, it depends on the type of offense you're playing. Uh, in the Notre Dame system, under Diaco, the Sam is a guy who's been out with the slot receiver and plays in space. Um, some teams will play their, their Sam. They'll play kind of a bigger guy there who can take on tight ends and those types of things. So um, I'm not 100% sure what Notre Dame's going to do with it. Again, if it was me... Um, you know, I'd want to see a, a Mike who can just fly around the field. Um, you know, I'd put 
maybe a less dynamic athlete at the will just because they tend to be on the short side of the field and uh, so they don't have as much ground to cover and really what they need to do is to be able to seal that edge and really come up hard and play the run. And then Sam I'd be looking for, um, and this would vary from game to game, but I'd be looking for you know potentially someone who's maybe a little more athletic and can get out to coverage. Um, but if I feel like my secondary is pretty strong and I can maybe rotate my safety down and, and play some single high coverage, then I could get away with a guy who's a little more stout at Sam who can come up and, and seal the edge and, and can blitz a little bit and take on a tight end. So in terms of who will play, oh boy, uh, yeah. Maybe maybe you go for a bit, Eric, and then we'll, we'll get back to that one because I know you have some things to add on this topic. Well, I think you covered it pretty well there. Um, you know, one of the things that I find interesting is we haven't really seen or heard anything about or a whole lot about what they're going to be doing with their base 4-3 defense with those three linebackers. Um, you know, we've seen and heard a lot about putting Jalen at that mic position in some of those nickel and dime looks. We've heard about uh, players like James Anawalu and uh, Turner playing at the will position with those looks, um, but I think it's pretty safe to say that they're going to keep Jalen Smith at that Sam position. Um, like you said, that's something that Diaco kind of did a lot last year. And you know, I, that's not where I would put him, but you can understand why they want him out there. Um, he's not ideal in terms of his size, in terms of you know taking on guys on the edge of the line and setting the edge and trying to be a rung stopper in that sense, but. You know, he's got the length that you like and obviously the speed so he can cover guys, he can cover tight ends, he can go out and cover slot receivers. Um, you know, I think a lot of people are concerned about that Mike linebacker position right now. Um, and uh, it looks like Joe Schmidt's pretty much got that position on lockdown in the spring. Um, so I, I would throw this back to you, Lars. How much of a worry do you have about this position? And... Um, you know, we're still waiting to see how Grace recovers from his uh, leg injury. Um, I think that's kind of trending negatively with his with that rod inserted into his leg. Um, Kendall Moore really hasn't made a name for himself this spring. Um, in some cases, I've seen him running with the third team, so that's kind of disappointing. Uh, Michael Deeb, again, I know Brian Kelly mentioned that uh, physically he's there, but mentally he's not. So he might have to be someone that we'll have to wait and see what he does in the in the August camp. Um, Doug Randolph's a big body, probably not ready to play at that mic position. So it's almost Joe Schmidt by default right now. Although I don't want to take away from what he's done um, in the spring, but uh, you know, do you see him hanging onto this position uh, once the season rolls around, or you think you know maybe they'll fit someone else in there, maybe Council when he comes back, or uh, even a true freshman like. Uh, Morgan can come in and play that position probably after a couple weeks or so. What are your thoughts on that Mike linebacker position? Everyone's worries about it. Yeah, well, there, there's a lot of X factors in there, and obviously Grace is a huge one in his return. And we got a little bit of news saying that he's moving around uh, reasonably well. But, you know, the guy's been limping for a long time, and the fact that they had to go back in and do another surgery and put a lot, uh, rod in his leg is obviously concerning. Um so if he doesn't come back, then I think what, I mean, it's tough to say right now, but my guess is you're probably looking at 
Morgan as more of a kind of first and second down player, and then Schmidt as a as more of a kind of third down player at that Mike position. Although you never know, you might see Jalen back there in, in third downs. Um, I would say this: this is going to sound odd, but I would say to a large degree, the secondary is really going to have an, an impact on uh, on what they do with that front and those linebackers and who plays where. If that secondary can be a real strength. Some of the depth in in the secondary. Um, might be a way to compensate for the lack of depth at the linebacker position, and what I mean by that is you you know you you might just see a lot more sets with uh, with five DBs out there and kind of taking a linebacker out and more emphasis on moving guys around and blitzing and and using your speed and and for some games that's going to work perfectly. Um, you know when you think of an Arizona State for example, you can probably play with five DBs the entire game and, and be in pretty good shape. So so I think a lot of it is the secondary is going to determine, um, you know, what we do with that linebacker position. And so I have no idea who's going to play where. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm not even I'm not even sure I can take it. Like, I don't even know if I can take a guess at the will position right now because I'm very <laughs> curious to see how much 30 they're going to run and how much 40 they're going to run. And we'll get a better idea um, from that for the Blue Gate. So maybe you think it'll be like uh, LSU a couple of years ago. They kind of realized that the Honey Badger Tyron Matthew was so talented that you know he didn't really fit the mold as a as a true corner for them, and he's a little bit too small for a safety. But you know they didn't have great depth at linebacker, and they decided to pretty much go the entire season running a four-two-five with only two linebackers, and then. You know, the Honey Badger was their nickel corner just kind of roaming around wreaking havoc. Do you kind of see maybe something like that against, you know, five or six or seven of the teams Notre Dame plays this year? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, you know, and you can play a 30 front out of that and a 40 front. And, and when you have a guy who's a bit of a wild card out there, it certainly makes it much more difficult for the offenses, particularly when you're playing, you know, there's a lot of talk about no huddle teams and that sort of thing. Well, the way to be it, because one of the things you got to realize, if you're playing a team that's going no huddle, they tend to be fairly simple in their offense. They use formation and motion and that to make it look more complex than it actually is, and they'll use quite often an athletic quarterback to kind of get them out of trouble, but they run a fairly simple offense, and a lot of it's designed just sort of on pre-snap reads, and when you have a guy out there who's a wild card, who you don't know where he's going to line up, you don't know exactly what he's going to do, uh, it makes it really difficult to run that type of offense. And, and you certainly saw that whenever you watch, if you ever watch Stanford play Oregon, for example, the last couple of years, Stanford's guys are moving all the time. And they had a group of linebackers that could be used to rush, could be used to drop, could be used in man coverage. So as long as you have a couple players on the field who who sort of can go beyond their profile. They're kind of a plus one player. They can do, they can be, you know, Jalen Smith can be a linebacker, but can also be a cover guy. And then the next question is, is there somebody in that group of safeties that can be, you know, sort of a linebacker and a safety? And, and that's why I like the move in particular, one that people aren't talking about a huge amount, but could be a, could be a pretty big deal is, uh, is John Turner playing at the linebacker position. He looks very fast out there. What do you think about Ben Council? I, I feel like, you know, he, he had a pretty bad knee injury, but it seems like his recovery is going really well. Um, he's been mostly riding the bike and some of these practice reports. Uh, but he should be full health uh, come August. I'm sure he'll start working out in the summer with the team. Um, 
in my opinion, he's the type of player that just he has to start if you're if you're going with three linebackers. You know, where where do you see him kind of fitting in? He he played pretty much all of last year behind Jalen Smith, but um, it wasn't exactly a 50-50 split there. But uh, Council got in got in on the field quite a bit. So uh, where do you is he kind of the prototypical prototypical Sam linebacker? He's he's quite a bit larger than Jalen. Yeah, he he definitely could be, and um, you know he's a guy that we haven't talked much about. And if he can come back from that injury, boy, that makes a big difference because he's a guy who could play on the edge, and I suspect he could play inside, especially in that thirty front. And that's the real question: is who can play inside in that that thirty front? And that means kind of taking on guards, and and that's a little more of a physical position. He's probably a guy who could do that. You know, out of the out of the forty. Um, I would love to see, uh, you know, I think it'd be a lot of fun to see Council, Smith, and uh, Turner as your three linebackers. It'd be a lot of speed out in the field, and and uh, you could do a lot of different things with those three guys out there. All right, that's a lot of talk on the linebackers. Let's, let's take a look at the, uh, the defensive backs here. Um, I think one of the main focuses for me is is Cole Luke for the spring game. Um, you know, Kavari Russell's pretty much the, the lone star of the cornerbacks. Um, he's been getting a ton of praise from the coaching staffs for his leadership ability. Um, a lot of people are mentioning in the practice reports where they're live about how vocal he is. Um, you know, you can make a, a case that he's probably one of the best defenders on the entire team. So, you know, not much to really look at um, with Russell. But Luke, um, I would argue, is probably comfortably the number two corner, but with the way that Brian Van Gorder's hoping to, to um, have this defensive play, a lot of tight man coverage, a lot of guys out there in islands, uh, you know, corners blitzing, stuff like that. Um, he's probably the one player I'm really interested to see how much he's developed uh, over the past couple months. Uh, he played a little bit as a freshman, not a ton of minutes, but uh, obviously wildly talented. And uh, what do you think when you uh, talk about Luke? What are you looking for this Saturday, Lars? Yeah, same thing. I'm, you know, it'll be interesting to see his development. And the biggest thing I'm looking for from those cornerbacks is can they lock up and play man-to-man coverage? And uh, I hope they leave him out on an island a few times. And who cares if they get beat? Like, let's just take a look at these guys and see if they can get in someone's face and play some aggressive defense. If we can get that out of our corners, uh, that's going to make a huge, huge difference. That's going to have an impact throughout the entire defense. If we can't get that kind of play out of our corners, it's going to be problematic, I think. So that's absolutely critical. And so that'll be one of the things I look for is can Cole get up there and battle with guys? I think that there's a good chance that Riggs will come in and, and end up, it'll be Russell and Riggs as the two starting cornerbacks with uh, with Cole Luke rotating, rotating in there, but, but you never know. The other guy who's kind of flying under the radar a little bit, but just from the snippets that we've seen in camp, it looks like he's having a really good camp is, uh, is Farley, and uh, he could be a real X factor in there because he's even looked good a few times in on run plays in the edge coming up and making some nice tackles. So he's a very, very intriguing um, guy this year that I'm going to keep an eye on as well in, in that blue and gold game. Now what about the safeties? Uh, I mentioned in my article, I thought, you know, we, we were kind of expecting a, a huge competition at safety this spring. Kind of turns out that didn't really happen. Austin Collinsworth and uh, Max Redfield have pretty much locked down that first team duo the entire spring. Um, some injuries back there as well. Shoemate's been battling uh, a couple nagging injuries. 
Um, Barati had that shoulder. Now he's finally coming back to full health. Um, you know, there's just this really didn't play out like I think we all thought it would with this you know massive competition between all these players. How do you feel about the safeties right now? And what's your comfort level? And what are you looking for this Saturday? I I've been decidedly pessimistic on the safeties for a while. Um, probably to some degree that's sort of my bias against. Uh, recruiting and the number of stars that a player has and all this sort of thing and you know that stuff doesn't mean a whole heck of a lot to me because um, I want to see how they play when they get into Div 1 football and, and deal with all those sorts of things and so far we really haven't seen any results. It's going to be a very interesting group to watch. Um, you know in theory we have a number of guys who should be in terms of their experience in terms of their number of years in the program should be primed to take that jump because you know at Notre Dame certainly and I think this is probably true at most, most places we've found that the safeties tend to develop a little bit later it takes a little bit longer for them uh, to get things figured out just because there's so much on the go so yeah it'll be it'll be really interesting um, I really want to see Redfield and see what he can do we keep hearing about his athleticism um, but you know, does he understand the game? And then how are just how is Van Gorder going to use the safeties? I'm really curious about that. So um, there appears to be a lot of talent there, but uh, so far it hasn't produced much results. So yeah, this is a group to watch for sure. All right, that kind of wraps up our look at the positional units. We have a couple more questions here from uh, Twitter and Facebook. Uh, this one comes from Twitter from Adam Schick. He said. Is Brian Van Gorder's defense better equipped to face an SEC team, especially with his experience in the conference? Um, my my quick answer to that would be, who really knows? He, it's been a while since he coached in the SEC. I mean, he did have that one year at Auburn. But uh, it, I guess it pretty much depends on what SEC team you're playing. And, you know, I don't know really know if he has any secrets about any SEC teams right now. What do you think? Yeah, um, I don't think it provides any advantage from a scheme perspective. Um, you know, just even look like, you know, back when he was coaching, I don't think a team like S uh, Texas A&M was in there, so there's been additions to the conference, that sort of thing. And, and schemes change with coaches and from year to year with different players and that sort of thing. So from a schematic perspective, I, I don't think so. I think where maybe those SEC routes help is, and I think we've seen a little bit already, is the idea of speed and getting speed on, on the field. And that's something that Van Gorder has been uh, pretty consistent on and really wants to try and do. And that's why you've seen some of the swappings of positions and position changes. So I think that, um, I think that sort of um, learning from the SEC, I think, will provide a benefit for Notre Dame because there's no question we've got to get faster on defense. All right, another question. This one's from our Facebook page, and it says, who are going to be the kick and punt returners this year? Now, I know um, Amir Carlisle is probably going to be the kick returner. He finished up that role last year with a suspension to George Atkinson. And Greg Bryant has already self-anointed himself as the punt returner. Uh, we don't know if that's actually him saying that via the coaches or if that's just him having a lot of confidence. So, Lars, do you are you comfortable with those two players? Are there some other guys that you think should get involved in that competition? You know, when we're when we're talking about kick returners, I've always liked running backs better than uh, wide receivers as kick returners, just because of the nature of the contact and the nature of that position. It's uh, it's very unnatural to have you know 11 people taking a 40-yard run at you, and you know 
you basically running straight at them and and uh, you know putting your pads down when you need to. That's not a a normal thing. And I think wide receivers have more difficulty with that than running backs. I think the the type of reads that you need to make in terms of reading your blocks as a kick returner, there's some similarities to uh, to running backs. So I think that it's a good idea to have running backs back there, or a guy like Carlisle who you know isn't necessarily a running back, but pretty much in essence played running back all year so I like uh, you know I like McDaniel back there I like any of the running backs and the addition of Carlisle back there and to be honest with you the same thing on the punt return um, again I don't know if there's anybody that really jumps out at me um, out of the receiver group that would be good there there's there's lots of talent there and guys who would be good but again I'd be looking at uh, McDaniel, Folston, Brian and, and Carlisle um, and certainly in the case of the three running backs McDaniel Holston and, and Bryant, those are opportunities because if you're going to be sharing the ball between the three of them, they're not going to get as many carries, so those are other opportunities to get the ball in their hands. So really, I think you know that's the main pool of guys that you want to draw from. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think, you know, barring some unforeseen upset, I would imagine Amir Carlisle is going to be the kick returner. Um, I think we'll probably see Cam McDaniel be that up man, the guy that kind of stands in front of the returner. So, you know, that guy tends to get three or four returns on the year anyway on squib kicks and short kicks. So I think they like McDaniel there in that spot. He's a pretty good blocker, smart player. He can offer some uh, some something in the return game as well. Um, the punt return, I, I like Bryant there a lot. You know, when it comes to someone who hasn't really played a whole lot, the thing is, you know, can he catch the ball? I mean, that's priority number one for a punt returner. Until we, we see that, I'm, I don't know how comfortable I am with him, but definitely his skill set would work there really well with his quick feet and his size and his, like you said, he's a running back, so he's used to the contact and running through guys trying to rip his head off. Um, you know, if there were receivers that got a look there, and, I, and we're not really sure who they really are training there, but I, I like C.J. Procise a little bit, kind of a bigger a bigger guy, and then maybe Fuller, Will Fuller would be another guy that maybe I could look at. Um, he might be a little bit too light, but uh, I think those guys are kind of someone that I would take a look at, and I think they might have the good enough hands to catch the ball and make a play. So uh, let's let's go to our last question here. This is also from our Facebook page, and the person asks: Can Trombetti and Brent find a consistent role in the system this year? Uh, I mentioned Brent a little bit earlier. Um, we didn't really talk about Trimbetti. What do you think about these two players, Lars? Um, good question. I think in the case of Brent, I think there's lots of talent there, and I think he's ready to play. I, I suspect he's going to have a hard time um, making his way up the depth chart because I think there's a fair bit of talent in front of him. So I wouldn't be surprised uh, if he's a guy who maybe does some special teams. Um, I don't think they're planning on a red shirt for him, but you never know. I'm just—I think he's going to have a tough time having a real impact, barring injuries and those those types of things. I think there's enough quality depth in front of him, but I do think he's a good player. Um, Trombetti, I, I think he's going to—I think he's definitely going to get some playing time, and I think he's definitely a guy who's going to have an impact. And we sure need him to have an impact. We need to find somebody, and and uh, in the clips that I've seen of him. Here in spring, um, he looks pretty good. He's a nice combination of size and speed at a position that uh, that we're not overly deep. So I think right there, uh, I think chances are very good that we'll see him contribute and have a you know a significant impact. Hopefully, yeah, I'm super high on Trombetti. I don't know if anyone has noticed on the site. Anytime he comes up, I'm pretty excited about him. 
Um, I don't know how he ended up being kind of underrated or flying under the radar, but I think he's going to have a pretty big freshman season. Nothing too crazy, but I think he's going to have a big role. Um, it's kind of a third down rushing edge player, which I think he'll be used quite a bit um, this fall. So uh, is there anything else you want to talk about, Lars, with the spring game? Any other no. issues? No, hopefully I can uh, find a way to get it up here in Canada. That'll be, uh, it's always a bit of a challenge, but with the uh, internet you can always find it somehow. But uh, really looking forward to a little bit of football, and then it's going to be a long, long way to the uh, start of the season. All right, I want to remind you the Blue Gold game is on this Saturday at 12.30 Eastern Time. It'll be aired on the NPC Sports Network, also on Monday, April 7th. Um, you can watch the Strong and True Spring Practice preview at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time as well. Uh, I am Eric Murtal, that's Lars, and that'll wrap up our 29th episode of the One Foot Down Podcast. See you later.